It's like you got to crawl before you walk and then before you run. So uh, it, it's so much fun trying to kind of learn from them as they're learning from me at the same time. Just the day-to-day with the kids of just making sure that I'm always present, I'm always having fun, whether it's getting in the pool and being able to throw them around because those times feels like it's long, but it's such a short period of time. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddy. This episode of the Art of Fatherhood podcast is being brought to you by Sabre. As your kids go back to school, Sabre wants to give you peace of mind. In addition, Sabre wants to help make your students feel confident while they go on campus. We all know as parents the bittersweet moment when your kids head off to college. There are so many fun things for them to experience and explore, but also you want them to be safe. Sabre can do that with their school safety kit that has a pepper gel, a two-in-one personal alarm, and a doorstop alarm. Did you know that Sabre is the number one brand trusted by law enforcement and consumers worldwide? They empower generations with a deep range of personal safety product solutions designed with you in mind to keep you and your loved ones safe. Parents can carry on knowing that their loved ones are safer carrying Sabre. Right now, through September 15th, 2023, you can get 15% off select items using the code CAMPUS2023. Some of those items are pepper gel with a detachable safety whistle, personal alarm with LED light, a jeweled pepper spray, and a 2-in-1 stun gun with flashlight. Learn more about how you can keep your family safe with Sabre by going to saberred.com slash back to campus. That's saberred.com. S-A-B-R-E-R-E-D dot com slash back to campus. And make sure you check out how you can get 15% off those select items by using the code CAMPUS2023. What's going on, everybody? Already here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very happy to have these gentlemen on. It's Jason and Devin McCourty. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me, gentlemen. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing well. No complaints over here. Happy to be here to talk to you a little bit. And Devin, who you got with you, sir? <laughs> this is my youngest. This is Chase. Chase, do you know, you remember how old you are? There Seth. you go. Nice. Two. <laughs> hey, Chase, thanks for joining the show with your dad. I really appreciate it. This is a perfect podcast for you to be on there as well. We're going to be talking about, of course, football, your great foundation that you guys do to help raise awareness for sickle cell and other things that people might not be aware of. And I appreciate you guys doing that. And it's a great way to teach your kids to pay it forward. But uh, Jason, we'll start with you, and then Devin, you can uh, follow up. What popped in when, in your mind when you found out you were going to be a dad for the first time? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> scared to death. I remember uh, going to buy a book on what's it like to have a baby. Uh, Devin and myself were both the youngest in our family. I have an older brother who's 16 years older than us. And then throughout our family, like cousins and everybody, there weren't a lot of kids younger than us. So I never changed a diaper my entire life. So the concept of being responsible for somebody else's life uh, scared the hell out of me. Um, so that was probably the first thought that was in my mind is how in the world uh, are they going to let me and my wife leave this hospital uh, with this baby when the time comes? So that was 1,000% uh, the first thing that came up. <laughs> Just before, I, I, that, before you answer, I remember when my first was born, my, my daughter was born and I was trying to change a diaper because like I've changed diapers maybe here and there with my nephews, but not a lot. Right. So I didn't have a lot under my plate. 
uh and, and with diaper you know knowledge but i remember the nurse was looking at me she's like she's not a china doll you're not gonna break her and she seriously <laughs> like hip checks me and shows me how to do it and i was like okay <laughs> so it's kind of my like experience what about you Devin? well i would say even first like i remember when jay sent me the text uh him and his wife was like we're having a kid i remember i was like in the cold tub uh in new england and i was so excited uh, obviously because I didn't have the dad role. I just got to be an uncle uh, and be the cool uncle. But for me, it was different because by the time I had my first, he had already had uh, his, had really all three of them now. His youngest is only 11 days older than my, uh, my first. But I was just so excited to try to replicate the things that I've watched him do. Uh, and then that new challenge because I had now been around the babies. I had change maybe uh, probably only two diapers even though even though i did have nieces and nephews only one of two them, one of them one of them you put one of them was backwards okay. yeah we know but i stick to my story that wasn't my fault that was my wife's fault she said she knew what she was doing and obviously she didn't so um but yeah it was it was just so much excitement i think he had three i had one so now we're gonna have four little ones running around having fun together so uh yeah really exciting Love that. Thank you very much for sharing that. And uh, Devin, you can answer this one first. Talk about the values you guys are looking to instill into your kids, you and your wife, as they're growing up. Yeah, I think, you know, me and Jay always talk about this, too. The way we grew up is so different than the way they're growing up. So um, we always talk about, like, how do we instill the values that we had growing up? Um, hard work pays off. Uh, doing the right thing and being nice to people, uh, I would say, is is really two of the biggest things. I know Jay does it, too, but I always talk to my kids, whether it's in the car or different times or they do something wrong, about being confident, having integrity, and being a leader. And I asked him those definitions. I We both got it from Nipsey Hussle when he said he used to take his kids to school and ask them those questions. Um, so those are the things I think that we try to instill. Um, but, you know, for us, we we saw it growing up. We saw the struggle and different things that we knew we wanted to do. Uh, we try to transform and put our mind and our, our young ones' minds and figure out what they need to hear from us. And I would say it's a day-in-day uh, battle. Nice. Yeah, without a doubt, I think the main thing is, is just treating people well. I think all of us as parents, you want to see your kids do that. One thing that I'm stressing with my three right now is telling the truth. It sometimes can go unsaid and you realize that's a key, key thing of be people being able to trust you, especially as a parent. Uh, my oldest is 10 years old, so she's getting to that point, that cusp, where she's starting to have some responsibility. There's expectations, really, for her to be the leader, especially in our family. Uh, so that ability to tell the truth uh, goes a, a very long way. And Deb just talked about three words that I always talk to mine about. And the biggest for me has been confidence. And, you know, when you have children, you can go through each one of them and, hey, this is exactly what I would want them to work on or master because this is something I think they're going to need in life that they don't possess right now. But I think confidence goes a long way for children um, because it starts at a young age. And when you're able to build that now, it leads to so many different things in your life. And kids are so fun because every single thing you do, whether it's sports, whether it's school, sciences, anything, there's always a new challenge that you're trying to equip them with to learn from and master so that it sets them on their way. So it's this kind of big, scary thing, but that's so much fun along the ride. Nice. Love it. Um, and thank you guys for both sharing that. I, I like I, I, the confidence thing and and the honesty. Like my wife and I, we like I said, we have two daughters. And we're always like, just be honest with us. It's better in the end for all of us. So just make sure you're being <laughs> honest. Um, 
What is something, uh, Jason, you can go first. What is something that your kids have taught you either about yourself or about life that maybe you didn't know was there until you became a dad? Patience. I don't, I don't even have to think about it. Uh, <laughs> my wife started it when we met in college, started molding me and turned me into a better person. And I'm very impatient. I get, I can get mad at the drop of a dime of the smallest thing. Me and my wife used to always joke, something major will happen. Uh, if something goes wrong with the house, that's going to be a huge thing. And I can handle it like it's nothing. And then the smallest thing, you go pick up fast food and your food is cold or they mess up your order and it's just ruined my entire day. And then you start having children and you see nothing goes as planned. You're planning this magnificent day out with a, a one-year-old. And next thing you know, they blow through their diaper and you have no change of clothes and you forgot the wipes at home. And it just, so patience, I would say, is the one thing my kids have taught me from being babies to now. Being older, my daughter comes home with fractions and dad doesn't really remember fractions that well. So you're you're trying to learn through it and also teach them. Um, my youngest one, she's in dance. So the patients that get through an entire dance recital and my middle boy, my son is playing football right now. So I'm thinking my high level of football playing for so long, like I'm going to teach him all of these things. It's like you got to crawl before you walk and then before you run. So uh, it, it's so much fun trying to kind of learn from them as they're learning from me at the same time. Nice. What about you, Devin? Yeah, uh, and we're we're both similar in a way of getting uh, getting upset about little things. I'm probably I'll probably hold mine a little longer than he will. Um, but my kids have taught me really to cherish all the moments. You know, we go to Disney, and the adults change the plan that I think that is a good plan that we already have for Disney. And Jay's daughter, she till this day, whenever we talk about Disney, she goes, "I don't want him to go. He's the grumpy one at Disney." Which made me realize, like, all right, you can't, you can't be that guy because that's what that's what the ten year old remembers. That's all she remembers about me at Disney. So just the day to day with the kids of just making sure that I'm always present, I'm always having fun, whether it's getting in the pool and being able to throw them around because those times it feels like it's long, but it's such a short period of time. You know, I remember my kids, my first two are thirteen months apart, and then uh, my second is five, and he's two, so. We had all our kids in a, you know, kind of short time period. And I can remember to all of them being little tiny babies. And now this guy's saying full sentences and he's a small one of the bunch. So just making sure I cherish each moment with them. Great answers right there. And I really appreciate that. You could also have said like, hey, you know, I was just trying to be grumpy from the seven dwarfs. That's all I was doing that day. Right. <laughs> Disney. Just a quick question. You, you know, you guys were saying like maybe you coach your know, teams. Tell me if you guys coach like, you know, your kids teams, especially in football, I'm guessing because I've had like Chastain, we were talking about soccer and stuff and people are coming up and her telling her like, well, you should do this. And I'm like, she's got the bona fides. You don't even do tell me people aren't coming up to you and telling them how to coach your their team. Tell me they're not doing that. So this will be my first year uh, coaching my son in 11 on 11. I did the flag football when we were living in South Florida and he was five at the time. So I didn't get it then because I I had foot surgery, so I had a boot on and all of that. But I was the coach that were picking the kids up, running around. It was all about fun. But I know now that like, we've already had like a coaches meeting. Like now I'm in the big leagues. Like this is serious where team hasn't lost a game in three years, where it's just like we're meeting with the older coaches and they're breaking it down of how we have to prepare our kids now for the next level when they get to them. And you cannot – screw it up so I already feel the pressure because some of the other coaches are looking at me like well you you got to have the answer and as you know if you coach the kids playing professional football has nothing to do 
with coaching an eight-year-old, right? So I'm, I'm going in there humble of like, hey, I don't know what the heck I'm doing either. So I'm, I'm ready and willing to listen to whatever advice a youth coach has for me just to get them to pay attention during the course of a practice or a game. <laughs> no, you better, you're better than me. You better be ready to put some people in their place. They're going to they gonna come and tell you what need. You still know football at a, at a pretty high level, so you better have, better have a little swag to you. <laughs> Love it. No, it's it's just funny. I coached uh, my my daughter's basketball team, softball, and all that other stuff. And we'd have like co-coaches, which was great because sometimes I'd say something to my daughters, and they'd be like, "Okay, Dad." And then the coaches, the, the other coach does the exact same thing, and goes from and like, oh, "Okay, I see what they're doing. All right, fine, whatever." Yeah. <laughs> um, what, you know, uh, Devin, you can answer this first, and then Jason can fit. Uh, you can answer. What is something that you are proud of your brother? And as you see him as a father, like what are some of the things you're like, oh, it's like, obviously you guys played in the NFL together. You guys won a Super Bowl together, which we're going to talk about. But like when it comes to fatherhood, you know, you know your brother really well. What are you most proud of in, in seeing him as a dad? Uh, I'll say two things. I'll say early on, I remember I always tell this story, visiting him and his wife, his, his daughter was two months old. And, you know, anybody who has had kids, and you're with your significant other. It's a it's a very stressful time for two people adjusting to taking care of another life. And they were kind of in that phase and season of life. And his wife was on him about doing more. And he was explaining to me like, no. Nah. And I was like, I've been down here for three days. You could be doing a lot more. Like you're not doing enough. And his ability to me as a father to be, he could have told me, what do you know? You don't have kids. You have no idea. But to adapt and change um, and just go about it and say, you know what, like I'm learning and I'm going to keep learning. If somebody gives me advice, rather than me get defensive, he was like, I trust this person. Like they're only telling me because they think it's best for me and just went and attacked it and, and helped so much. And I'll say the second thing is just his relationship with his kids. Um, anytime I'm around him, his kids being able to talk to him about anything, come to him. I mean, his son asks us he legit will ask you 500 questions in 20 minutes. Like it is just, it's rapid. And uh, his ability to just have that or with his youngest, who you can tell is the kind of baby of the group or now like with his 10 year old, who, you know, is the baby of the family for all of us. And like, I'm watching them have kind of like almost adult conversations about, you know, well, if you do this, then that. So just having that unique relationship with each kid uh, is something that I've loved watching him do uh, over the years. I appreciate that. My wife's in the background now, so she can hear the podcast. So as Dev's talking, I'm, I'm kind of glancing at her to see if she's making a face like, eh, he really hasn't changed once he hasn't done anything. But she didn't make a face, so she's she's still here. She still keeps me, so hopefully we're all good. Uh, when it comes to Dev, it's, the dynamics are so different because by the time he said he had his first, we had just had, which eventually is our last kid, our third. And I remember as he's going through it, and we'd be talking a lot, I've already gone through everything he's gone through. So I'm anticipating and assuming he's going to handle them the same way I did. And Dev has his first one, and it comes to those night feedings, those night wake-ups and handling that. And he would be the one waking up with the baby alongside his wife. And I'm like, all right, he, he's excited for the first one. When the next one comes around, second kid comes, third kid comes, and it doesn't change. His ability to sacrifice for not only whatever his kids need, but whatever his family needs at any given point uh, has been remarkable to watch from the sidelines. 
he's gone through things with his kids early on and eating and different things that they've had to overcome. And he was right there through thick and thin. Hey, I have to be at off-season workouts. Hey, coach, I'm not going to make it for the first two months of off-season workouts because I have to be here for my family. I think that's something that goes unsaid for not only fathers, but parents in general, as your ability, especially moms. I mean, they sacrifice their bodies, but uh, his ability to sacrifice for whatever his family needed to make sure they're all good. There's bigger things than what's going on selfishly in our own lives and what you want to accomplish. And he's never had a second thought about that or had to decide, hey, what should I do? It's come second nature. He's made that decision and he's rocked on with it. Awesome. That's great, guys. Thank you very much for sharing that. that like that is a great like my last question before we get into father is like a dad hack or a piece of advice you'd offer to new kids. But the same thing, like Devin, I again, like I would get up with my wife, change the diaper, even if it wasn't like a bad diaper, like in the, like for night feedings, like I'm still going to get up, do that. And then, you know, pr- you know, just so to help out my wife. So that's a great dad hack, but you can go first, Devin, then Jason, or actually Jason, you can go first and Devin can um, follow suit. Dad hack or piece of advice. And it doesn't have to be for a new dad. It can be for anything, especially with your kids, Jason's ages. Now, if there's something you just recently found out that you want to share with other dads and help them out, go right ahead. <laughs> I'm going to start at square one. It's, it's so funny you asked me this. I go on Good Morning Football on NFL Network, and we get a lot of off the rails from football. And we talked about dad advice we'd give to a coach who had just had a baby. And I learned this early on. Never assume the baby slept well. You guys just talked about waking up, night feedings, changing diapers. I was terrible. I was not waking up. I have this unbelievable ability that when the kid's crying, I do not hear it. So – it's not my fault. It's just the way God has blessed me that I don't get a chance to hear the baby wake up. And I made the mistake early on with our, our, our first kid, our daughter. And I remember waking up one morning and that had been rough some evenings. And I remember I said to my wife, I was just like, man, she slept well last night. That was probably the best sleep we've gotten in a while. And she kind of just turned and looked at me and turned her face up and was just like, I was up all night. So my dad hack is to new fathers, never, ever wake up and just assume the baby slept well. Just go for a simple of just like, man, how was last night? Bring down your tone. Try to empathize. Put yourself in their shoes. Because if you're not waking up at that night, don't don't ever assume. I made that mistake and I had to learn from it. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I think one of the key things for me as a dad, too, was YouTube. Like, fall in love with YouTube. Whatever it is, like, Read the directions when you put the car seat in the or car seat. when they get a new booster seat. Like anything that, whether you're putting a stroller together or you're putting together, uh, we made a bad decision. Luckily, I was at training camp. But, you know, your kids, the toddler beds, we got like the princess bed and the race car bed. And uh, people were helping us. Uh, realtor was helping us. And her son, and he came to me. He was like, I know now I will never buy my kids a race car bed said it was the worst thing ever putting it together. So I would tell all parents, do not feel ashamed that you're going to jump on YouTube and watch some video that like some super mom or super dad who has figured this dad and mom stuff out and they decide to create that YouTube channel and they're just putting stuff together left and right, toys. Like we put together, I think you did too, Jay, the whole like princess castle things. Like we had a, I think it was one of the princesses. My father-in-law. Oh, did. we had a princess house. Area. Oh, my goodness. It's like a three-hour process. But if you use YouTube, it helps cut down the time a little bit. So trust in it. The, the car seat. <laughs> I, I remember spent, I spent an hour 
with that car seat of fighting it, like leg up in the air. You're trying to stuff the thing in and could not figure it out. Went on YouTube five minutes later. I had the car seat installed. Went and had my, poured myself a drink. It was like, fatherhood's going to be a blast. Let's do it. <laughs> awesome, gentlemen. I really appreciate that. Now, you guys obviously both went to Rutgers, drafting the NFL. Devin, for you, what was maybe like the biggest hurdle from college to the NFL or the biggest challenge? Uh, really, pro- yeah, that probably came in my second year. My, my first year, uh, went to the Pro Bowl, got second team all pro, uh, fresh out of college, really a draft pick that nobody really wanted in New England. So it was just like all of us flying uphill, just ascending. And then my second year, uh, coming off the lockout and everything, just don't have a great year. Um, and, you know, getting attacked at corner, some good games sprinkled in there, but just overwhelmed by the bad plays. And, you know, I think for me, I learned my first year, everything went well. We went 14 and two best, best record in the league. And we lost our first playoff game. My second year, individually terrible, uh, felt like I was about to get cut at any moment. We make it all the way to the Super Bowl. And I learned from there, for one, everybody does a good job once they see you play of attacking whatever you're not good at, whatever your weaknesses are. There, That is what they study all offseason. The coaches, like, they're going to have a game plan for you. Uh, and I learned that of making sure that my focus in offseason was all my weaknesses and how to improve, how to get better, and how to play to my strengths and make sure – I played on those terms more than I played with my weaknesses. And the second thing was just like I mentioned earlier with being a dad, enjoy every part of playing because I'm thinking year one was going to be great. We're going to go win a Super Bowl and the season just ends. And year two, I couldn't wait to get out of the season and I play in a Super Bowl. And I don't know if I'm ever going to go back. So uh, I remember after those first two years, uh, I had a new appreciation just each time I stepped on the field of being able to go out there and play uh, and accomplish different things. Uh, I realized how special that was. So um, I don't think I would have got that. And I think that is the key of playing in the NFL. And I don't think I would have got that without those two kind of drastically different seasons my first two years. Such a good point when you talk about enjoying the moments. I, I played on teams that were 2-14, and 3-13, and 0-16. and 16. That's still a season of football that you get an opportunity that you're blessed with, so make the most of it. Uh, my biggest challenge I had was, well, I talked about it earlier with my own kids, is confidence, I think. When you go in, Dev was a first-round draft pick, and you come in and there's expectations that you're supposed to deliver, you're supposed to step in. I came in the 203rd pick of the draft. It's borderline whether you're going to make the team or not, practice squad, all of that. And you get there, and you have to remind yourself that, hey, I can play. I'm coming from maybe a smaller school than an SEC or a Big Ten, but you have to continue to remind yourself that, hey, I'm here for a reason, and I know I can compete with those guys. And early on in my career, I had to tell myself that on a daily basis to be able to get the most out of myself and make sure that I'm doing everything I can to put my best foot forward. And I think for myself, playing cornerback in this league, if you don't have confidence, you don't stand the shot. So once I got in and I was able to establish myself and really see, and sometimes you can be the most confident person, but until you go out there and you see yourself having success, whether it's on the practice field, the game field, whatever, you don't, there's always that ounce of doubt. And once I got out there and I was playing freely and going out there and making plays, I was just like, you know what? I can do this. I can play in this league and I can do it for a long time. And hopefully I was blessed enough to do it for 13 years. No doubt, gentlemen. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing. I think, you know, maybe like you guys were saying too, it's like, you know, with fatherhood, you just got to like, you know, be able to like learn on the fly and do certain things. Right. 
for the position you guys were playing, it's it's like legit, like tough in the sense like you have no idea where the person is going. Like I'm not saying I'm not trying to dumb down any other position, but it's like all right, if you're going to be on the line, you you know that you got to you know stunt in front and do some other things, whether you're offense or defense and all that. You have tight ends, running backs, wide receivers going out in every which way and the speed that they have. So it's like, like you said, you confidence, man. You you got to have that confidence to play at that level. And like you guys said, like the average year is like the average playing career is like three years. You guys blew that out of the water, won Super Bowls and all that. So yeah, I think having that idea of needing confidence is great. So let's just talk about Super Bowl 53. First time that, you know, two uh, siblings won the Super Bowl together. Talk about how much, I mean, of course, winning a Super Bowl is fantastic, winning with your teammates, yeah, but sharing that moment together as brothers must have been so freaking awesome, right? Like, whoever, Devin, you can go in first, man. Yeah, man, it was awesome, I think, especially because how everything transpired, right? Jay's in Cleveland, like he said, he mentioned earlier, they go 0-16, and I tell him after the season, buddy, like, this is about to be year 10, you know, you got you to get out of here, you got you to gotta find a way to do something. And I remember he calls me and he's like, I'm getting released. I, I talked to the GM. They're going to release me. And I was like, oh, all right, let me see what I could do. So I text Brian Flores and I'm like, Flo, Brian Flores, Flo, we called him, was our defensive coordinator at the time. And I said, Jay's about to get released. He he could help us. And he, he was just like, okay. I was like, man, should I just reach out to Bill? And he goes, yeah, just reach out to Bill. So I text Bill and I go, Hey, Bill, Jason's getting released. Two McCordys are better than one. 45 minutes go by. I don't get any message, anything back. And probably like an hour later, he calls me and he goes, yeah, we called down to Cleveland. The transaction wasn't official yet, so they didn't release him. So we just traded for him. Uh, He's going to be on the Patriots. So I'm the one who FaceTimes Jay and tells him before our agent, before anybody, like, hey, Patriots are training for you. Welcome to New England. And I think from that moment on, it was just all these high hopes and high expectations. Everywhere we went in our hometown or anywhere, people were like, man, all right, Deb, now you got to show Jay how to win a Super Bowl. Y'all got to win a Super Bowl. And I think as the season got closer, we went through training camp. And, you know, it seemed like Jay was on the back end of the roster. The last preseason game, he played more than a half. So now we're like, Man, if we put too much into this, like we're so worried about winning a Super Bowl. Let's just focus on playing together. And then I'll let him finish the rest of the story. But the way everything started to move, um, and for me being in that game, just being at the Super Bowl, I felt like I was there playing, but also felt like I was kind of outside of my body watching him play because I knew he had been to five other Super Bowls to support me. Um, and being there and doing that with the family, taking the family out to eat, helping me with all the logistics, watching him there. It was like a, the ultimate, you know, big brother moment of seeing your little brother really conquer and accomplish that one dream and one goal that he just didn't get yet. It was really cool for me to see that. Yeah, uh, it's funny, the story, the transaction always resonates with me. Dev told me I was going to New England before Cleveland even called me to tell me I was going to New England. So it was, I remember not believing him. I was like, man, get off my phone. Uh, but it actually happened. And to his point, I remember when the trade took place, even before that, I remember when I'm getting released and I'm talking to my wife. And I'm like, all right, Giants, Jets to go back home. But if I can get to New England and play alongside Dev, that was always the goal from childhood. And when a trade goes down, 
my wife says to me, all right, like, here we go. You know, you've learned all about New England and how they operate because you've had so many conversations with your brother over the course of the last nine years. Like, let's go in expecting anything. But first and foremost, make sure you enjoy every single moment of this, no matter what happens. And to fast forward to Deb's point, training camp's ending and the last preseason game, the guys that are going to be playing are in one meeting group. The guys who are going to be getting ready for the regular season are another meeting group. I'm a 10-year vet in the room with all rookies getting ready to play the Giants in the last preseason game. And I remember at that moment, I was like, well, it was fun while it lasted. I enjoyed training camp. And I remember having that meeting with Bill about me taking a pay cut and all of the logistics of a contract and ended up staying there. And the first game of that season, I ended up playing five plays. And I remember going through that of just like we went out to a Drake concert that same night. I played five plays and I had an absolute blast because I was going to maximize that time no matter what. And to get to the Super Bowl, I, I say it to people all the time, as those that two-week span you have from when you win the AFC Championship game to when you play in the game. And everybody kept saying to me, man, you deserve this. You've been through so much. And I was just like, I don't know about that. Uh, there's so many other people that could say you deserve this, you deserve this. But for whatever reason, I was blessed to go through the things I went through to get to that moment. And uh, it was such a great experience. I felt like I had one of the best games of my career uh, in that Super Bowl game uh, to take a knee when the confetti was falling and down and Dev to be standing over me and to have an embrace when that game ends. It just takes you back from getting ready from a Pop Warner game, me and him in front of our house, going over the plays, throwing the ball to each other, preparing then to think that we're walking in to the stadium in Atlanta that we're about to take play, take place and play in a Super Bowl. And every kid at home is watching us, envisioning themselves in that game the same way we did when we were betting our mom $5 that the Cowboys would beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl. We're now playing in it. So it was it was just a tremendous experience, one that you'll have for the rest of, rest of our lives. And our kids were there. Our mom was doing confetti angels with all of her grandkids. So it was it was just a great, great experience. Love that. And, 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 you know, the fact that it was like 13 to three and like talk about a defensive game. And like you said, like you felt like you had a great game and all that, that just the, the, the way you guys are sharing the story makes that Super Bowl even more awesome that it was a defensive struggle being like, yeah, the defense showed up. And I love that. So that's, that just makes it even better. Two more questions before we finish off with the father quick five. So talked about being on the top of mountain, not only getting to the NFL playing for, more way above the average, right? And than the normal like average uh, NFL player, but winning the Super Bowl, awesome. Now you guys are both respectively on TV talking about the sport you love, which a lot of people are like. Oh, it's going to be easy. I talk to like people that you know work at ESPN, CBS, Fox, whatever, former players, whatever sport. It's not easy for you guys to like climb that mountain. There is fantastic. So, uh, Jason, you can kind of go first. Talk a little bit about like how fun it is to, you know, talk about the, you know, the, the game that you love, but obviously just like, you know, Patriots do your job. It's a job. You have to do it. And you guys both do it well. So talk a little bit about getting into the sports broadcasting industry now. Yeah. Dev doesn't have much to say. He's still, he's still a newbie. I got to get a little bit, a little bit more feathers under his wings, but uh, it's been, it's been a ton of fun. And to your point, Art, it is it is not just, oh, I'm just going to show up and just talk about football because I played it for the last 13 years. Like, there's research involved. There's preparation involved. I go on a show. I'm on a show that goes on the air every morning. So I'm up at 445 to make it into New York City 
So you're preparing a day before the show. You're keeping up with all the news. I also called games last year. I'm going to do some this year as well. And that's film study. That's having the art and the cadence of being able to get in and out in between plays uh, is working on your craft. And I think for former players, it's not a hard transition if you keep in mind that I'm transitioning to something different that takes the same dedication that I've done and that I've applied to the past however many seasons that I was able to play in the National Football League. And that's the way I've approached it. So I go in and I'm preparing. And I feel like I over-prepare because I looked at it as, as I'm the rookie going in last year in my first year of doing it where I'm like, I want to make sure I always have something to say and I'm prepared and I'm ready to go. So it's been a ton of fun. I think all of us when we play, there's the fear of the unknown that when we walk away and we transition, what's going to be next? This gives me the platform to, one, talk about something that I've fell in love with at the age of 10 and I continue to do. And the other part is it allows me to have camaraderie with the people that I work with, that I sit at a desk with, the people behind the scenes. So I absolutely love uh, what I'm able to do. And hopefully I can do it for a lot longer than I even played football. Nice. Yeah, I, I agree with him. I don't, I don't have the actual experience yet at my new job. Uh, our first game is coming up uh, from the time that we're actually doing this podcast. But uh, I think for me, I understood just the grind, you know, watching him day in and day out. But also when I decided that I, I wanted to retire, right, I think because of during the season, by week, I went and did some TV stuff. When the season first ended, I went and did TV stuff. But that was because I realized that there wasn't that many opportunities because it's so competitive. There's so many people who are really good at this, who want to be good at it and who want these good jobs. So for me, I remember, you know, as soon as the season ended, you know, you kind of down, you know, we lose the Buffalo last game of the season. If we win, we would have got into the playoffs. We fall short in a very emotional game um, following DeMar Hamlin uh, and everything that was going on there. there. I think it was their first game back at home. So, we get that, and then I'm like, all right, season's over. Get a call from CBS, like, hey, do you want to come and jump on a pregame show and talk about the playoff games? I'm like, well, nah. you know what? I might end up retiring. Let's do it. So I go there that weekend. Then the next weekend, NFL Network's like, hey, you mind coming to L.A. for two days and doing a pregame show? You know what, NFL Network? I'll be there. Jump on a flight to L.A. Then drive, I mean, fly to ESPN in New York, wake up at like 4 o'clock to catch the first flight from Boston to New York to go do that. And I just realized because it was competitive, um, if somebody asked me, hey, what would you do to play in the NFL? I would do those things. I would wake up early. I would work out. That's what I did. So I said I wanted a job on TV. I needed to show that I wasn't willing to do everything to go out there and get a job. And, you know, very fortunate and blessed that the way it's turned out. Um, I've been down to uh, NBC a few different times, meeting with different people, watching film together. Uh, just feels like a great group of people that I'm getting a chance to work with. And I uh, can't wait to, you know, embark on that journey uh, and then attack it week by week. You back? <laughs> yeah. Let's not I wish that. you guys, again, um, good luck this upcoming season as uh, as sports broadcasters. Appreciate that. Before we finish off with the Father Quick Five, something also you can teach your kids about paying it forward and being there for people in your community and not just the people like in your neighborhood, but community-wide. Uh, you know, you guys have the McCourty Twins Foundation. You guys also raise awareness for sickle cell, and you guys do different events to help with that foundation. Talk about the inspiration to set that up, Devin. Yeah, I think for us, you know, growing up where we grew up, grew up in New York, we knew 
we always wanted to do something to give back and to make a difference. And uh, our family has dealt with the sickle cell disease uh, for our whole lives. You know, our, our grandfather had, had sickle cell disease and um, he, he passed away when we were about nine years old, but he had uh, his legs amputated right above the kneecap. Uh, and then our aunt and uncle also had the sickle cell disease. And uh, ultimately, it, it took our, our aunt's life in early 2019. Um, but she lived to be 69 years old, which is unheard of. You know, she was told at, at a young age, if she lived to be 35, that that would be, you know, a pretty decent life. So we just felt a lot of, you know, passion towards her story and felt more people needed to know her story. People with young kids with sickle cell needed to know what she did and how she attacked life and how she lived life to the fullest. And then other people needed to know that this disease existed. They needed to be aware that you could help. This disease needs more funding. They need people to pay attention and help out. So uh, that was something I think for us, we were like, you know what, this is what we want to get involved in. I, I give a lot of credit to the teammates we had. You know, when both of us joined the NFL, we saw other guys have passions and pursue them and go. And we were like, we don't know where this is going to take us. And I don't think either one of us could imagine the amount of money we raised, the lives we've impacted, the families that we've gotten to meet along this journey and stay in touch with. Like that, I think for us, has been way more than we ever thought. We, we thought we kind of were signing up to do something good, to help out a few people here and there, really in our hometown, help out in that area down by Rutgers. Like we've done stuff in Tennessee and Cleveland and Boston. Like we've just been in so many different places with this same message of tackling sickle cell disease. So uh, it's really been life-changing. And, you know, I think it's one of the things I'm most proud of uh, when I think about my kids and what they've seen and what they'll see uh, me and Jay do in the future. It's the things that we don't have to do, but that we truly enjoy doing. Yeah, it's awesome. They get to watch that and hear you talking about it and from their family, from that perspective. And on top of that, we've done, we just did our, our 10th camp that we've had been going on for 12 years. COVID shut us down for two years. And we think back to that first year in 2012, we didn't have many kids at that very first camp that we threw. And to now fast forward, our sons and our daughters are taking part in the camp. And my oldest 10-year-old, she's at the front helping people check in in the whole nine. And they understand the concept of this camp is free for whoever wants to come. And we're doing it and we're doing pizza and ice cream for all the kids because it's our way of giving back. So you're having those conversations and you're getting a chance to understand. And when Dev started off at the beginning of this podcast and said our kids are growing up a lot different than we are, that's a part of it. They think sometimes, all right, my dad played in the NFL. My uncle did too. Oh, wow, this is just the way life is. And <laughs> it's important for them to see that it's not like that. Yeah. For my kids, their mom, their dad, they grew up a lot different than them. And you try to go about different ways of getting them to understand, hey, be grateful for what you have and where you are in life. And there's nothing to hold against you, what your parents were able to accomplish so that you can have better than they had. But always understand that there are other people that might be struggling or going through some things. And whether it's sickle cell disease, the work we do with our Tackle Sickle Cell uh, Foundation, or whether it's giving back during the youth football camp, it just always has to be something that your kids get to see you doing that's a sacrifice to help others. I love it. Yeah, and just what a great way to bond with your kids by serving others and showing that everybody on this planet should be treated with respect and love and care. And what you guys are doing, especially like the camp for free, like that's phenomenal. So, you know, I know winning the Super Bowl is, is fantastic, but like to me, and obviously for this fatherhood podcast, 
what you guys are doing with your foundation and having your kids help out. Like we try and, like I say, we try and do certain things in our, in our neck of the woods and volunteer our time and help out and just be hands uh, to help, uh, you know, other people in need. I think that is phenomenal. I think that is setting a great precedent for your kids to go out and be pop because you, I think we all agree as dads, like you want your kids to live in a world better than you are, than you have, and you want them to be positive influences. And what you guys are doing right then and there with your kids is fantastic. So thank you very much for doing that. And I really appreciate you guys being generous with your time, talking about fatherhood football and, of course, your foundation. And we're going to finish off with the fatherhood quick five. Uh, Devin, you can go first, and then uh, Jason, you can go right uh, answer right after. Favorite family movie? Do you guys have one right now? Oh, um, Mario. Mario Brothers. We've watched it <laughs> so much. <laughs> oh, man. It, it changes so often. Um, I'm trying to think of a specific one. The kids uh, right now, I would say they've been big on Willy Wonka. They all okay. watched that together. Uh, they go through phases where they fall in love with the movie. I'll go Willy Wonka right now. Nice. Favorite genre of music or do you have a favorite song that you guys like to dance to right now as a family? Um. Oh. Uh. Ours is. What's the name of it? What's the little Uzi vert? I just want to rock. Okay. Um. My my youngest knows like when they come on the beat drops, he goes ah 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 ah. You'll hear him <laughs> back in his car seat, and then my oldest, who's six, she shows all of them because Jay's oldest daughter shows her when we're at his house. So then when we're here. She was like, No, no, you're not doing a dance right. It goes like this, and she starts doing the dance. So. Like right now, of all three of my kids are home and I'll put the song on. My oldest and youngest will dance right away. Both of us, our middle kids, our middle boys are both like super shy. So it takes a while and then they'll dance. But that's the theme song right now in my house. Uh, anything Rihanna during the Super Bowl halftime, we're watching. I posted a video on my Instagram of us dancing to this point. My son's on the floor looking at us. But anything Rihanna uh, is going to <laughs> household. Nice. Describe the perfect family vacation. Where would it be? Right now, we had we went to um, the Nickelodeon Resort in Riviera Maya in Mexico. Um, that was ultimate. That was a great time. So I would say right now, and I would say probably because of how I am at Disney, I'm going to Nickelodeon Resort because I'm a more Nickelodeon Resort guy than Disney guy. No, this is easy. Uh, Turks and Caicos. We went right after the pandemic. My youngest, who was probably four or five at the time, uh, thought she she was telling people she was from Turks and Caicos. So that by far, <laughs> three of them absolutely love it. And we all had a blast. Love it. And obviously, you know, during the while you guys were playing the NFL, you, you always wanted to make stay stay true to your craft. But when you did have some downtime in the off season, what was the favorite thing you guys like used to do during the uh, off season? When it was just kind of like you time, like not with the kids. Yeah, just yeah, it can be with the kids, not with the kids, whatever. <laughs> like if it's just like, hey, it's just Devin time, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> uh honestly, something that we don't we didn't always get to do a lot because we weren't always in the same area was just get together and connect. Like one of my favorite things is Jay knows like I like hosting. So I like if I can have all the guys come over to the house, uh, maybe we'll open a bottle of wine or maybe there's a big game on or something and just hang out and do that. And I would say over the last few years, maybe once or twice we've done that where, you know, I think last year, last 4th of July, like I got a bounce house, invited a bunch of people over, um, you know, had food and, and just hung out. 
that's like one of my my probably the most favorite thing to do in the world is just kind of just chill and hang out with like good company, laugh, reminisce, uh, and just enjoy the time. Uh, I'll say my off season, uh, especially summertime, all five of us, my wife, three kids, and we all get in the pool at one time. It's always fun. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but chances to throw the kids up in the air and the whole nine. Uh, I feel like those are lasting memories for them uh, of trying to take dad out, uh, dad beating up mom in the pool the whole nine. They they, they just absolutely love that. We did yeah. that. We did that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But what you said right there, Jason, like the smallest things, like my kids are uh, 15 and 13 and they'll say like, Oh, when we we were living in New Jersey at the time, like, oh, do you remember when we would have this and that? We just go for walks and we make like leaf piles. That was great. And you're like, okay, like that really was the things that stick with them. You're like, okay, cool. Or we made a fort or something, right? Yeah. Like that was the cool mm -hmm. thing. So I love that. So so true. I just kind of want to hit upon like just the fun, like they seem simple, but to them it's gonna make it's always gonna like leave an indelible mark on their childhood. So I love that. And lastly, top three words you hope your kids would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be? I would say kind, uh, hardworking, uh, and I guess the last thing would be leader. Nice. I like it. Uh, for me, it would be love, discipline, and laughter. Uh, nice. that, that, I think, would be a good way to describe uh, how I want them to talk about me. Awesome. Great three words right there for each of you gentlemen. I appreciate that. People, make sure you check out their foundation at McCordyTwins.com, and you can follow them on uh, Instagram at uh, McCordy Twins and individually at Jason McCordy and then also at Devin McCordy. Guys, I know we kind of went over the time, but really appreciate your insight on fatherhood. And of course, like I said, the great work you guys are doing your foundation. And like I said, listening about how much that Super Bowl meant to you guys for many reasons uh, was awesome. As a football fan, I love hearing that. So again, I wish you guys continued success with your family and also now with the broadcasting career. And I can't wait to see you guys uh, this upcoming football season. Appreciate it. You keep killing it. Thank yeah, you. love this. Love what you're doing, man. Thank you. I want to thank Sabre for sponsoring this week's Art of Fatherhood podcast. I really appreciate their support. And I also appreciate what they're doing to keep families safe and not only give students confidence when they're on campus and away from home, but also to giving parents peace of mind. Make sure you check out their great sale right now by using the code CAMPUS2023. And also, too, please rate, subscribe, and review anytime you check out the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I really appreciate that. It'll help get the word out. Go to artoffatherhood.net for all the different podcasts, articles, reviews, and giveaways. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to artoffatherhood.net.